It seems like Future You has been gone a while. Yeah, I know she was going in on some ribs, but it has been a bit. Let me go check on her. Oh my gosh, she's gone. And I just got a text. It's an automated text from our bank. Oh my gosh, there's been an attempt to take our savings out? What? What are we going to do? I guess the bank didn't let it go through, but what the heck is going on? I can explain that. Who are you? I'm Chris, from 30 Years in a Grim Future. A future caused by your double convincing you two to dump your savings into foolish things. You're... me? I mean, rockin' beard, oversized gun, bulging old man strength muscles. Checks out. But how come you look so much older than Christy's future self? It's been a rough 30 years, okay? We lost everything, including my wildflower garden. Oh no, with a kick in water feature? The most kick in water feature. <clears throat> also, that isn't Christy's future self. Oh no. That's right, she's your evil doppelganger. Reverse Christy. <sighs> she got mustard on my dress last week. Wait, how does our savings change the future anyway, other than ruining our lives? Your podcast becomes so popular that all of your decisions have a strong, influencing effect on others. Everyone dumps their savings into poor decisions, and the whole world tanks. Wait, you're me in that future? Why did you even listen? Oil? Coal? Bitcoin? Look, she was really persuasive. Okay, okay, goodness. Well, we aren't going to dump our savings, but... It looks like Reverse Me is trying to take our savings to do it herself. We need to get her out of here. I can help with that. I'll try to track her down, but we need to negate her portal tech and throw her into an alternate reality that even she can't get out of. Um, okay? You worry about the portal tech. I'll hunt down Reverse Christy. But first, uh, you got any cat videos? We don't have the internet anymore, and I want to see the one where the little kitten sleepy head hits the desk. It's just so darn cute. Uh, yeah, have my phone. Thanks, kiddo me. Happy hunting, I guess? This is so weird. We might need some more help. I don't know anything about portals. Well, I don't either, but maybe we can find the answer the way we do best. Oh, by talking about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's On Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our second Battle of the Atom episode. Yes, we are covering the uh, the tasty, gooey center of this crossover sandwich. Mm -hmm. In our last episode, we covered the first three issues of Battle of the Atom. In this episode, we will tackle the next four. Yeah, we really outdid ourselves this week, Christy. From three to four? That's a 33% uh, increase. Now, to be fair, the all-new X-Men issue is shorter. So is only, it? Yeah, it was only like 17 pages. Yeah, because a bunch were double spreads. Oh! Yeah, you gotta think about on Marvel Unlimited. They're all yeah. still like 22 pages. It's just, 
if you have a lot of devil spreads, those don't, those still only count as one page. Okay. So if you ever see a, a like open up a Marvel Unlimited and it says fifteen pages, you're like cool. Get to see a lot of devil page spreads on a tablet in a way that they are definitely not meant to be seen. Yeah. I don't know if it's better or worse, the double page spreads on the, the tablet, because you don't have, like, the seam down the center. Sometimes I, like, look at these double page spreads, and I'm like, man, that crease is right in the center of his face. Uh, yeah. It never looks quite right, though, even even if you turn the tablet to the side. No. It's especially bad if you have your tablet in, in what, what we uh, we in the Microsoft Office world would call landscape mode. <laughs> Wait. Portrait, portrait mode. mode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. You know, we in the Microsoft Office world, only only like three people on Earth use Microsoft Office, Christy. I mean, I think they call it landscape and portrait and things other than Microsoft no, Office. it's just Microsoft Office. <laughs> it's just me and Bill Gates and uh, Ted. I mean, it's even landscape and portrait on a Google Doc. Mm, but where'd they get that from? Well, I mean... I don't know. Landscape and portrait, I think that's been around as long as there's been like eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. Mm. Eight and a half by 11. That's kind of its own talk, I think. Okay. Well, before we get into the summary, we have a couple of iTunes reviews that we have definitely been neglecting. They hadn't updated on our page on um, like where we host our podcast, which normally updates them. It's only been updating on iTunes. So I'm sorry to the both of you. We've definitely missed it. Yeah, so I'm going to let you say the name of this first uh, person giving the review. It should be fairly easy, uh, not not too problematic all at right, all. All right, let me get a let me get a nice a nice drink here. All right. As for her, thank you for the <laughs> iTunes review. They gave us five stars, which is nice, and said. Quality crisising. The Chris's are some of my fave comics podcasters with a fun concept, great patter, and some A-list guests. Bonus points for the very concept of the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. Thank you. <laughs> that was very nice of you. We really appreciate the good review. We have another five-star review from Isai Guerrero. And Isai says, thank you. Uh, these podcasts are super good and amazing to listen to. Well, thank you very much. The Chris's make learning about comics easy and very cool with the intros and accolades. The Chris's are quirky and make doing chores on the weekend a little more fun. Uh, they also put a double smiley face there at the end. Yeah. It's right. got two parentheses. Extra big. <laughs> or just like a mutant face with two, <laughs> with two mouths. <laughs> Either way you slice it, I think we're winning. Yeah, it sounds good to me. All right, well, let us get into the summary. Summary! Uncanny X-Men number 12, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Chris Bacallo, inked by Tim Townsend, Mark Irwin, Jamie Mendoza, Victor Olasaba, and Al Vey. Colored by Marte Garcia. Lettered by Joe Caramagna. Edited by Nick Lowe. We begin with a poor, haggard Maria Hill, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., talking to Agent Allison Blair, also known as Dazzler. Maria is pretty understandably peeved at Hank McCoy messing with the space-time continuum, and it looks like she's finally going to do something about it. 
Young Jean and Scott psychically share their recent experience with the Uncanny X-Men, which Ilyana backs up, given that she has gone to the future and seen the future X-Men in action. She then teleports away, leaving the young Jean and Scott to ask very nicely for some much-needed help. The future X-Men and the crew from the Jean Grey School argue again about what to do with young Jean and Scott, with only Kitty firmly taking the side of the youngsters, having gained a rapport with them after being their teacher. Kitty calls out the crew for being on their worst behavior, chasing children to drag them against their will to the past. I mean, I'm with Kitty on this one. After a good long think, adult Scott Summers concludes that the team is going to help the youths. But Emma isn't so sure. She accuses Scott of just really being into the memory of Jean, which is so close to gross. Magneto and the young Archangel agree that all the kids have to go home, but... The rest of the X-Men show up with a ticked-off Zorn Jean ready to fight. Zorn Jean psychically paralyzes the uncanny X-Men, and young Jean Grey attempts to fight her off, but is quickly defeated. However, the issue ends as Emma and the Cuckoos are ready to scrap. Wolverine and the X-Men number 36. Written by Jason Aaron. Penciled by Giuseppe Camincoli. Inked by Andrew Curry. Colored by Matt Milla and Edgar Delgado. Lettered by Clayton Cowles and edited by Nick Lowe. The rest of the Uncanny X-Men awake from their psychic assault to find Emma, Young Jean, and the Cuckoos locked in psychic combat with Jean Grey. Wolverine and crew, though, still demand that the original five come with him, and old conflicts ignite between him and Cyclops. After a round of vicious taunting, Zorn Jean finishes off the Cuckoos and Emma before turning to Young Jean. The fight begins in earnest, with young Cyclops attacking Zorn Jean. This leads to a retaliation from the Ice Hulk. Wolverine and his crew are starting to become very uncomfortable with the, um, strong approach? The two Cyclopses stand back-to-back -back in a very cool way, before igniting their visors in a defiant stand. Likewise, young Jean continues to fight Zorn Jean and begins to make her mask bleed. Back at the ranch, um... I mean, the Jean Grey School, Iceman and Beast are picked up by the time-traveling Ilyana who takes them into the future to figure things out. They leave baby Shogo in the capable hands of Brew and head off. The fight is going pear-shaped and young Jean Grey begins to slowly overtake Zorn Jean in power, but the tearful Zorn Jean begs for the original five to return home. Young Jean reads her mind, which finally convinces her to head back to the past. Strange, right? In case we didn't already, we start to get the indication that things are fishy, as Deadpool whispers as an aside that a rousing speech he gave about a terrible future was all a lie. Also, in the future, Ilyana and company arrive at the, frankly, very nice-looking Jean Grey school, only to be confronted by another team of X-Men? All-new X-Men number 17, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Stuart Immonen, inked by Wade Von Grabadger, colored by Marte Gracia, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Nick Lowe. In case you wanted something completely different, we go to years from now, as President Allison Blair gives a speech after being elected the first mutant president of America. She thanks a tearful Hank McCoy as he, Zorn Jean, without mask, and old Kitty watch in contentment. This being X-Men, though... Dazzler is then killed by a fiery blast from a horde of demons who attacks the gathered crowd. 
Ilyana, Iceman, and Beast are told by the other future X-Men that they need to return home, but the future Colossus is thrilled to see his little sister, who asks this team for answers about the X-Men sent back to the present. Future Jubilee, who is called Wolverine now, says that those individuals are no longer part of the X-Men and haven't been for some years, and thus, origin story time. Well, a little. Back at the horrible disaster post-election of Dazzler, Colossus and Iceman, who looks like a cool ice wizard in the future, grab Hank and swear some very usual superhero vengeance about finding the perpetrators. Hank seems to have completely given up on the X-Men dream, and we cut back to... The real future X-Men explaining that they cannot tell this story because it would ruin the timeline. Being the X-Men, things start to get a little heated as Jubilee refuses to help, but Colossus absolutely insists and state that this is kind of their fault. They put it up to a vote, and we come back to the uncanny X-Men of the present, who suddenly meet the real TM future X-Men. Before we get too much further, let's do a real future X-Men roll call. Wolverine, who is Jubilee, but with claws? Colossus, who now has a mustache and Ilyana's soul sword. Sentinel X, a guy in a purple Iron Man suit. Wiccan, Bobby Kaplan, but now he's Sorcerer Supreme. Ice Wizard Bobby Drake, called Sir Robert. Chimera, the daughter of Storm, who rides a cool Black Panther. Quentin Quire as the Phoenix? X-Men number six, written by Brian Wood, penciled by David Lopez, inked by Cam Smith and Terry Pallet, colored by Laura Martin and Matt Mila, lettered by Joe Caramagna, and edited by Janine Schaefer. Jubilee wakes up from her vampire nap, oh yeah, she's a vampire now, to find Iceman and Beast gone and Brew watching Little Shogo. She chills out with Bling and Armor, who have devised a little panic button device for Shogo that makes a little force field around him. Helpful. Back on the plains, Wolverine psychically tells Rachel Summers to keep an eye on those future X-Men since they seem pretty shady. They arrive back at the Jean Grey school and find Iceman and Beast have gone back to the future? Young Xavier is very, very mad and uses his powers to rip the knowledge of the duo's whereabouts from the head of Young Bling. Wolverine stops him, only for Rachel to confirm his fears that these X-Men are not so great. Xavier gives old Kitty a quick affirmative order, only to have her transformed into a blue-skinned mutant with claws. This guy uses his claws to stab a currently healing, factorless Wolverine, calling him Dad? As Zorn Jean prepares to send back young Jean and Scott, she gets a telepathic message from Xavier that their cover is blown. She knocks out everyone in her vicinity psychically. Seriously, these mind shenanigans need to cease. Now that Wolverine has been stabbed, the fight starts in earnest, with Xavier and Rachel scrapping, only to have Molly knock her out, and Psylocke takes on Blue Wolverchild and Deadpool at the same time. Jubilee gets Shogo out of Dodge after he force fields up. Beast has used his technical prowess to take over the Jean Grey school and imprison the teachers and students while wrapping up our team in power dampeners. Evil Beast is a pretty scary opponent. The uncanny team and real future X-Men arrive, with Sentinel X going for recon. He comes across Bling, Jubilee, and Shogo and takes off his helmet to reveal he is big grown-up Shogo? A tearful reunion commences, but Psylocke arrives to remind everyone that they are very much in trouble here. (music) 
Christy, did you like this selection of Boda? Which is uh, how we abbreviate Battle of the Atom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I I did enjoy it. I The thing that's so interesting about crossovers that take place across multiple titles is just like the inconsistencies in the style of storytelling, which sometimes I feel like can be used to really great effect. Because I feel like these issues all tell very differently paced parts of the story in different ways. Yeah, I think that's true. But it also, it can take you kind of out of the story. Yeah, I think the writing, yes, and the art, like, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there is there is a big difference in art between Chris Piccolo, um, between Stuart Eminem, mm-hmm. between David Lopez and Giuseppe Camoncoli. And it's it's almost jarring at times. Right, right. You know, it it makes it feel a little bit di- disjointed just going between them. I, I mean, I get that, I mean, to have a crossover just in its own title to go on for that many issues, I mean, you can't just stop the other titles for the crossover. Yeah, this is wild. I think it really only took place between, like, two or or like two and a half months. So it was like really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you don't want to stop all of your main titles just for a crossover, but I don't know. I mean, this isn't the first crossover that we've read that's bounced between titles. Um, Phalanx Covenant. Yes, but that's... That had the same problems. Yes, I suppose so. That was... Though the, a lot of that was three separate stories, but even within the three separate stories, you bounce between kind of titles. Between a couple of titles, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I think at least had unified writers. I think I think you're right, but I don't think it necessarily had unified artists. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, and <laughs> I remember reading Final Sanction and going from like Adam Kubert to I'm not I can't even remember who did the second one, but Adam Kubert is just like such an incredible penciler that I was just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I So it definitely lends itself to comparisons. Yeah. Is there a particular issue that you preferred uh, writing or, or artistic work? Uh, I loved Wolverine and the X-Men. I thought Jason Aaron was awesome, mm-hmm. uh, especially reading it right after uh, The Uncanny, written by Brian Michael Bendis, mm-hmm. which I, I it just... It was a style that that fit me better. I like the humor in it. He writes Wolverine so well, whereas Bendis, it felt like he was kind of just taking cheap shots at the X-Men throughout his issues. Oh, yeah, that's true. Do you feel like the the uncanny kids, so the kids that are hanging out with the uncanny X-Men, the fugitive Uh X-Men, just lampshade X-Men ridiculousness like throughout this story? They're like, what's even going on? I don't know. X-Men's wild. And it just like happens again and again. But it's literally basically only in Bendis issues, if I recall. Well, no. um, Jason got to do a little bit of it. I think the funniest thing that Jason did with the Uncanny Kids is when Deadpool's like, why do I not recognize any of these kids? And he goes, oh, wait, are you gold balls? Dude, you're a legend. Can I get (laughs) your autograph? autograph. That's really great. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And... uh, Throughout that whole action-y scene, there's a little bit of back and forth between, I don't even remember the characters' names, but like the uh, 
the young here, let me show you the panel, but just a back and forth between those two that was just kind of like hilarious just happening across pages. Oh, this is, um, oh, who is that? That's between Morph and Tempest, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So just their little little back and forth, like they've basically been told, like, stay out of this, don't fight, and they're just like, "Was oh, that Deadpool? I've always wanted to punch a Deadpool." Like just a Deadpool, <laughs> a Deadpool. <laughs> Around this time, I feel like there were a lot of. Should Deadpools. we crap our pants because that's what I just did? <laughs> oh goodness! I just loved that little, just the. Like, background conversation of, like, these kids who are like, all right, we can't fight. We can't do anything. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think I just I just pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, is that Deadpool? <laughs> right. But I love Jason Aaron's explanation of, of psychic battles. They're like, they're just punching each other really hard in the brain. Right. That was something I liked that Kevin Coley did was kind of making these astral forms. Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, you liked that uh, particularly? Absolutely. That that whole psychic battle was fabulous. The coloring in it, especially. The colorist for that issue was Matt Mila and, uh, with Edgar Delgado. Mm-hmm. And I think... I mean, I it was drawn very well, but I think to me the colors were almost the most dynamic part of it. They really popped, uh, especially in those astral bits. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have like a little bit of imitation of that. Oh, not I don't know. I want to say imitation, but in the um, psychic battle in that we get was it in, in X Men? A- yeah, with no adjective. No, the adjective list. X Men. Yep. Did I mention to you that this adjectiveless run was was literally like X? It, it, like it, it could have been called like X women. <laughs> the whole point of the run was like just a bunch of the female characters. Oh, and it's you might notice that slightly more. You'll notice Jubilee shows up more. Yeah, those. yeah. Psylocke was in like nothing until then. Oh, uh, yeah. Psylocke was great in this. Yeah, Psylocke was pretty good. I feel like we can maybe get to that a little bit later mm-hmm. but jubilee passing off shogo like just a lot okay <laughs> yeah because i remember you mentioning it before before we started recording the podcast uh like last week or something like oh she's always passing the baby off and i'm like no she had to go do something important and then i went back and looked at the issue and i'm like no i think she just went and took a nap she did just she, take a nap she just handed off her kid to to young bobby and hank and was like hey here, take care of a baby. And they're like, we don't know anything about kids. And she's like, homo superior, adapt. <laughs> I did. Yeah, which is wild because it's like, yeah, but you like made this pick. You made this choice like on purpose. Now, to be fair, to be fair, in young parenthood, like there with with a baby, there is nothing I wanted more than sleep. And if I was like just in a house full of babysitting aged children... Would you just pass them off oh. all the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not I'm to mention serious. she's got, what, like, vampire stuff going on now? She's got she's got a lot on her plate. That's true. But, yeah, she totally does just pass off our baby. I, I thought she was doing it for something, like, really important X-Men related. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep is not X-Men related. 
definitely uh <laughs> well anyway um <laughs> i i i almost wonder if this was just is this was from like a male male perspective of like male parents writing about this oh i don't know and not to say that like it just it was like such like a trope by the end i was like okay we're doing it again i, I mean was it a was it a trope or was it just like a pattern of behavior with Jubilee? Like, cause it, uh, was that the same, uh, run? Was that adjectiveless in both of them? Yeah. Okay. So it did. I, I don't, you almost want to go back and read the ish, adjectiveless X-Men issues prior to this. Like, is this just like a shtick Maybe. with I, Jubilee? There's only like four of them. So like go nuts. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't think it's like a mom trope to pass off your child. Yeah. <laughs> I visited your family with you. <laughs> well, that's a cheap shot. I, I I was not saying, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids that hang out <laughs> at that house. <laughs> oh. But the, the storytelling in and of itself. I'm I'm really intrigued by the story. Like I have my I haven't read the next issues for the the podcast and I have my my feelings about what what's going on, but I love all the pieces falling into place cuz like one of the very first things that we see in Battle of the Atom are who we believe is like this future X-Men team fighting Sentinels and this is this dark future that we're thinking about. Right. Where surprise Sentinels are now like under the command of the X-Men at the Jean Grey School. Right. So, like, it, are they fighting the Sentinels at the Jean Grey School? Like, it seems like, oh, wow, this just puts a whole different color on everything. The, turns out the future turns out pretty awesome, and they're just not happy with it because, I mean, yeah, bummer about Dazzler. But I, I've been enjoying how the story unfolds. The story itself, I like. The inconsistencies in the art... And the writing is a little tough. But I like the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I can save that judgment until I've gotten to the end of yeah, the story. Maybe, maybe it might, like, tank on you. I honestly don't remember the ending. Um, so we'll have to see about that. What did the did the twist catch you? I, I mean, I think... I think I was starting to see it coming. I definitely did not see Wolverine Mystique child happening that just like and going back and rereading it i'm like oh why didn't i see this coming there were so many things like this really doesn't seem like kitty like they're, them just talking about are you sure you're me like that is said so many times and right. i'm like how did i not pick up these hints there were so many but yeah. i told i didn't see it coming not at all yeah um, but yes, so we didn't say that character's name, but just for the ease, um, that character's name is Raze, R-A-Z-E, mm -hmm. and they uh, are definitely Mystique and Wolverine's kid. Right, right. I mean, that that's not too difficult to figure out. He calls Wolverine dad, and he's blue and shape-shifty. Shape <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept trying to figure out the ages of all of these characters. Right. Because so Ray's doesn't is has not been born yet in the comics, mm -hmm. and, and at this rate will probably never be born. A lot of people's pet alternate timelines, I feel like, disappear when they leave. 
Right. With some exceptions, I think they've gone back to the days of future past timeline a lot. Mm-hmm. Age of Apocalypse get, always comes comes up. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think, has kind of gone by the wayside. But so let's say Reyes is like 18, because he seems like a grown-up. Yeah. But like, probably not super old. Mm-hmm. So then we could we could say maybe like, like let's say like next week Wolverine and and, and Mystique have a have a fling. Mm-hmm. So this is something like nineteen years later, right? So Jean Grey, the older one, would be something like thirty seven. Yeah, I wonder. I, like also, uh, I don't think you can think too hard about it. You can't. They, it doesn't make sense. Too young, right? Like Molly Hayes is supposed to be an adult. Right. Which, sure. But I think in the comics, she's like 12. Mm-hmm. So she would be like 30 or something. <laughs> but I want to know what happened to Kitty Pride Because she's there when Dazzler gets elected president. She's mm. in the future. I don't. I was looking, looking up fairly at the wiki. Sim- oh. Well, I don't know if we find out. I'm like, was it was it raised the whole time? Like, uh, it's I don't a think super long then, con? <laughs> but... In this, in in these issues, it was raised the whole time. Right, right. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just like why did Ray's transform? I guess is a, an interesting question. I mean, maybe they couldn't use their claws. Is Kitty like going for the sucker punch stab? I mean, I think I think mm. Xavier was just like our cover's blown. There's no point. Yeah, I just don't know why he came because they just came as whoever. Like Jean came as Zorn, who is like kind of a kind of a jarring right. character to them. So I wonder why well, Rays was the only one to transform. Maybe they didn't want to give that away to Wolverine. Maybe. I I don't know if that makes a ton of if, if any any explanation makes a ton of sense to me, but the rest were all people I feel like that were at least some f- close right. to familiar faces. Right. Well, I think Kitty was supposed you were they were supposed to trust Kitty. Yes. I think that was what it was supposed to be. I mean, that, I think that's why Ray's had to be Kitty to make them more, a more trustworthy group. Whereas if someone who shows up who looks like Mystique, mm-hmm. maybe not so much trust. True. How do you feel about not finding out where those crazy demon monsters came from that killed Allison, Allison Blair in the future? So I kept wondering if they were similar to the monsters that we saw in the mutant make in the first issue. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you mean my girl Animax? Animax. Yeah. Perhaps. I'm like, I don't know if it's just two different artists' interpretations of that power. I'm like, is this Animax like coming back to haunt them in the future? I don't know. I... Hey, I was like, I don't know how we're supposed to understand. I mean, I guess we're probably not supposed to understand where all that came from. But, like, it definitely doesn't seem like a human homo sapien attack on mutants. Because that definitely seems like some mutant stuff there. Right. Or yeah, some sort of supernatural stuff. Yeah, I was like, I, like I said demons like when I wrote the summary, but they're, they're kind of just creature-y. But yeah. they look kind of evil. You know, they don't look like fantasy monsters per se. Oh, and Dazzler's death, it was gorgeous. <laughs> the, the the spread. It was, yes. It was a well- <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fact that Dazzler no. grizzly burned to death. No, not, no. Well, that's, you know, that's that that choice steward imminent art. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Yeah, that was also jarring. Going from literally anything to steward imminent. Yeah. That issue was my was my favorite art-wise. But I think, yeah, I, I just like Jason Aaron on X-Men. It's really hard for me to uh, It was great. That. 
Yeah. You should read his Avengers run that's currently going on right now. I mean, I want to go read Wolverine and the X-Men now. Yeah. <laughs> that's also my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, local. Local Kansas City favorite, Jason Aaron. He's great. He's great. We love him. I think he's the comic book person that I've met the most. <laughs> Tons. Right? Tons of times. <laughs> he and I were at the same wrestling show last month. I didn't see him there. It was not that big, so I'm kind of surprised with myself. Huh. But yeah, it's really great writing. Like, the the last two issues of this four were, like, solid storytelling, some some really great Stuart Eminem art, like... But it, it wasn't exceptional to me. <laughs> I don't know. It was. It, they were good. I. I almost wonder if not enough happened in these issues for me. Like the the middle issue. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. How well, there's this big buildup to Emma finally taking on Jean. Like, oh my gosh, look at this. They're finally gonna fight. They've hey, I haven't had a big old fight. And she, A, uses teenagers to augment her power. Right. And you're like, okay, Emma. And B, goes out like a punk. Yeah. That was a bummer. Yeah. And then... There was some good catty banter, though, I feel like. Oh, it was fabulous. It was it was fabulous. I have to... With the Phoenixes don't... Or uh, Jean Grey's don't age well. And it was... But, neither, but again, neither do white queens. Right, right. Or something um, like that. So, it was, it was Bendis. The the, the banter <laughs> was Bendis there before the fight he does even happened. Decent banter. I don't. I I feel like you have this this negative opinion of Brian Michael Bendis that I don't necessarily have. I I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's like super negative. I think just when I compared it to like Jason Aaron, I I had a preference. You had a preference, sure. I had a preference. I do, like, Brian Michael Bendis writes comics like they are, like, the the show, like, The West Wing or The Newsroom. It's very, like, but 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 So you'll see these panel, these pages of his that'll just be, like, on word balloons. I don't know. And it's stuff that I really would, because it's some really, like, self-aware lines. It's, like... Oh, yeah. It's, like, some Deadpool or Gwenpool stuff. A little bit, it is but not shocking. I don't think he's ever written Deadpool. Because what the Emma says, um, you want to psychically battle someone? Pick on someone who absolutely despises you. Too bad no one's watching. Black Queen versus White Queen. The message boards would love this. Yeah, that was which <laughs> which dates it a little bit. The message boards. CBR is still a is still a fairly active message board to talk about comics. Okay. <laughs> um, it, yeah, that, that wasn't even that long ago. Twitter did exist when this comic came out. Right. Yeah. It is kind of like, it made me wonder, because yes, I know that this is talking about us in the real world, in mm-hmm. Earth, Earth real world. Right. Which uh, I think has a numerical definition. But are, but are people Do in you... the 616... <laughs> Do they like, who are like really big fans of the X Men, and they're like, "Who would win in a fight between these very real people?" <laughs> right? Hey, Christy, if uh, I mean, we speculate about like wrestlers or whoever people love. Sure, like, like, but those are still fictions, right? Like, imagine if we were like, "Who would win in a fight between Sigourney Weaver and?" I'm trying to think of somebody else. No, I feel like the more realistic thing is like MMA fighters or something. 
Yeah, that's true. They at least do. But <laughs> this is also not organized. It's just hard to compare because superheroes are just so far away from existing. There's nothing right. like superheroes in our world. And yes, I know about the people who... I feel like it was like a fad 10 years ago to dress up in costume and like superhero oh around your city. Yeah. I led my, my class in, during our debate units. That was one of like our intro debate topics about like legit vigilante superheroes. We read articles about all of this. Was this when you were in college? No, 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 no. My, the class that I taught my middle school students. Your like your first year? Yeah, like my first or I didn't even remember that until you just started talking about that. But yeah, we definitely were like pros and cons of real life superheroes. It's really hard to find a ton of pros. It's like like people, they'll end up getting stabbed. (laughs) There was the guy who had like some pretty legit body armor. Yeah, I watched that guy in some of his videos, but he just ended up doing like stuff that was just a bad idea like drunk people would get in fights and he would end up like going between them but then they would want to fight him yeah yeah well that's behind us that is i (laughs) that can't be popular anymore right there was some guy who fashioned himself a super villain too because he didn't like vigilante superheroes and then he never did anything i thought he was gonna go after the superhero (laughs) he's made a video and like hawked vodka (laughs) it's like you are a super villain (laughs) capitalist supervillain. <laughs> yeah. It was it was real weird. Oh. Well, well that is a that's just a, a little bit off topic. That's a fun tangent we went on. <laughs> Real life super superheroes, you might get stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think that guy had said he'd been stabbed. <laughs> Jeez. That's why he had the armor. Prevent yeah, preventing stabbings. Oh. How cool is Betsy Braddock in this last issue when they find when the jig is finally up and the bad X-Men take over the school? She does some pretty solid work while holding a baby. Yeah. Like what I don't remember how she wound up with Shogo, but she's like holding Shogo and swinging around her. I don't know, what do you call that weapon? It's a she has a psychic katana. No, I thought she had a big like ball. Oh, she did. It she had a big like psychic flail. She yeah. used to just kind of do a little knife that would come out of her fist. I remember that. But she does. She gets a lot more creative. I think she turns it into a sword eventually because she's fighting with Deadpool. Gosh. To think the last time we got to talk about Psylocke on this podcast was from Phalanx Covenant where she was just like... Cause was she in House of M? Not that I remember. Yeah. So where she was... It's been a bit. It has been a bit. And I like her very much. <laughs> Christy, big Psylocke fan. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's in part because I've been reading Extremists as well. Oh, she's so good in that. She is. Thank you, Leah. Leah, we know you still listen to every episode of our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so who, who, who do you... Uh, Christy, who'd win in a fight? The real future X-Men or the fake fu- evil future X-Men? I think the better question is who's who would win in a fight, Ice Hulk or Ice like future wizard Iceman? So we haven't found out yet where future Ice Hulk comes from, but I like how future Ice Wizard is going to explain it like, well, Bobby, sometime in the future. You're, you're going to learn do... that part of your power is to <laughs> Jubilee's like, stop yeah! it! You can't say that! Uh, and it Jub- sounded like he was explaining puberty to him. <laughs> <laughs> I go 
goes by Sir Robert. I'm just imagining Iceman coming in in his wizard robe and being like drawing a diagram up on the whiteboard. <laughs> this is what your body might look like when you go through some changes. You might get a deeper voice, develop some hair in places you didn't before. Uh, but Ice Hulk, Rogue touches him. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing. I actually know. I know. I know the secret, but I'm not going to tell you. We're going to talk about it. No, you're not going to tell me. It's going to come up in the last three issues. Oh, okay, okay. It's... Well, that that's fine. Right. I thought you just like were going to hold out on me until I stumbled upon the right X Men issue, or just I guess Google. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you can you can figure <laughs> out with a Google, to be honest. Um, but it's. I mean, it's not that cool of a reveal, but. Man, the that the the wham, that was the whammy that got me when I I couldn't remember the only people I remembered from this team from last time mm-hmm. were Quentin Quire's the Phoenix because that comes up a lot after yes. this and uh, Ice Hulk because it was such like a weird reveal to me that Ice Hulk and Ice Wizard I'm like what they're different right that was so big I didn't even remember Colossus and Colossus is kind of a big deal <laughs> what do you think happens to poor Eliana do you think she dies I think she dies well. I mean, she was dead when we read Phalanx Covenant, and now she's not. Um, oh. <laughs> That's complicated. I, I don't question these things anymore. I mean in the future. People she... are dead, and sometimes they're not, and I don't question it. Right. I don't think this is the same version. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> I meant this this Ilyana, the one in the comic book. Yes. There. On yes, the page. I know. I'm wondering if she died between this. Right, because it future, seems like he has her soul sword. Right. And why would he have it if she died? Well, he said that she gave it to him. Right, but he's also very happy to see her in a way that's like right, not like uh, I saw you last week and we had borched. She's also very happy to see him. Where is he right now? I just asked the wrong question. I think, I think, where is he at this point? Oh boy, I don't remember. Is he uh, farming not, in Russia? No, he's not farming in Russia, but he's not dead. But I don't know where he is. Because it definitely seems like a reunion where they haven't seen each other for a while. I think he's off. This might be when the Cable and X-Force title that Dennis Hopeless was writing was coming out. Oh. So he might be off doing stuff with them. Yeah, if you thought these are the only X titles, you uh, got another thing coming. <laughs> well, there it's were... only four of them? Yeah, and there were, I think this was like the time of eight or nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. There were just flipping gobs of X-Men titles See, coming See, this is why we do... DC, Marvel, X-Men. Yeah. That's <laughs> why so X-Men, X-Men get their own slot. It was real weird in 2015 when they only had three books coming out. Oh, wow. It was uh, Extraordinary, Uncanny, and um, All New? Yeah, All New. Mm-hmm. That was it. Get, get prepped, because I feel like starting this fall, uh, this fall 2019, it is probably going to explode again. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, are we ready for accolades? Uh, Before we do accolades, I also want to point out the goofy little scene where Rachel figures out that they're the bad guys. And Wolverine's like, this happens every time. I knew it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. You knew it since, like, last issue. You didn't know it the whole time, Wolverine. (laughs) I was so so peeved at him for that. I'm like, nah! You're a liar, Logan! Oh. Oh. And 
and present Jubilee and Shogo from the future was so sweet. Yeah, I love when she tearfully hugs him and says, I can't believe they didn't take you away from me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's an Iron Man guy. That's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. He probably shouldn't have taken off his helmet, though. I feel like his 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 aged mother from the future would probably be pretty pissed at him for revealing himself. Right, right. I'm excited for hopefully some back and forth between future Jubilee and present Jubilee in the coming issues. Yeah, I don't remember if that happens, but I hope it does. It should. It should. Everybody else got theirs. Everybody. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for accolades? I'm sorry, I needed to do one more thing. (laughs) I was going to edit that out, but I feel like it's a thing now. I think I've got to leave it in. Wolverine doesn't have his healing factor right now. It got taken away from him. So that's a very big deal. We said it in the summary, but I guess it bears repeating. Did we say it once before, but it bears repeating now? Is that a song? Yeah, from Fell in Love with with a Girl. Fell in Love at Once and Her Mouse Completely. No? You have to edit that part out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's go let's go to accolades before I say anything else dumb. Accolades. All right, Christy, what is the best line in this comic book? So normally I go for like the really funny or goofy like one liners for my best line. Yeah. Um, But this is a departure from the norm for me. Mine is when present uh, Hank McCoy, present Beast, uh, is talking to future Beast and basically like, man, I really screwed up. And he he says, but there's no recapturing the past, is there? This is who we are now in all of our dysfunctional glory. And that just like really hit me. Really? Yeah. Do you feel like you have a lot of dysfunctional glory? (laughs) But when you say it like that, it sounds really silly. But just the whole, you know, there's no recapturing the past. Like, that was, that's just real. Just really hit me in the feels. It's true. The boss said it best when he, in glory days, you know, they'll just pass you by. Uh, What was your best line? My best line was a silly one. It's from Psylocke, where she says, That ball weighs 90 pounds, and I swung it with one handed, and I think this baby just pooped. Being a mom is easy. Do you think that Ju- or that Psylocke had really thought about this before? And then she's just like, oh, I got this. I feel like it's kind of how I felt, uh, readers. We took our kids to a birthday party that was like this huge indoor playground. And I, one arm, held our one-year-old and climbed up like a little like rope pulley thing. It was like on an, on an incline and you had to hold the rope and drag yourself up, did it while holding a baby, I felt very, very accomplished. And like, yeah, this mom thing's easy. (laughs) And it was totally the feeling I was channeling. You were just swinging your (laughs) 90-pound psychic ball. Also, how does it weigh anything if it's psychic? You know what? (laughs) All right. Who is your greatest hero? My greatest hero is Ilyana, because I feel like she really, like, figures this all out. Daily double! Yeah, without her, we would, I mean, we wouldn't have found the the real future X-Men. Yep, I don't know why she grabbed Hank and Bobby to take them with her, but she sure did, and that was cool, I guess. Right. I think she could have just gone. Well, I mean, she she only got 
like a very little bit of the story from Jean when Emma and the cuckoos like psychically just projected the images of the future mm. X-Men. And then she's like, bye. She peace. does just leave. And I mean, the joke with Ilyana is that sometimes she is misused as a character and she's basically just a taxi cab. Yeah. But uh, I feel like she got to do some cool stuff here. Yeah. So useful. Mm. Like really moves the story forward. Kudos to Ilyana. All right. Well, let's go straight into our coolest moment. Uh, coolest moment uh, for me had to be uh, that page in Wolverine and the X-Men. There are several really awesome art panels, but this one's like a full page of future Gene uh, battling the Cuckoos and uh, past Gene Grey. And you just see them... Like, their physical form standing across from each other and these psychic projections just socking each other. Mm-hmm. Punching each other really hard in the brain. Yeah, a lot of times in those pictures, they kind of look like they are like they need, to go, they need to go potty. <laughs> and it's interesting because they're kind of all... Or, like, young Jean, even though she's not wearing her costume, her psychic projection is her in her costume. Yeah, it's like your residual self-image from The Matrix. Yeah, mm-hmm. but... I thought it was really beautiful and very well drawn and depicted. What is your coolest moment? My coolest moment is the double page demon attack spread that Eminem does. Oh. It just looks, it's, it's, the, it's very scary. The one where we see Dazzler getting you know, the, hit. the next page. Oh, where it's like, oh yeah. It's, it's the next page where it, there's like demons attacking and it's just chaos. Yeah. And, or whatever they are. They're big monstery creatures. It just yeah. looked really cool. And... Like, it was super sad, but it was really cool. Yeah. You know, sometimes you turn a page and you're just like, oh, geez. Uh-huh. And that was that was me with that one. Uh, what is your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? Man, my Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy has to go to Deadpool for uh, all of his hitting on Betsy Braddock during the fight. Yeah, uh, it's weird. He's like, sorry to have to do this, Betsy. And I mean that because you are the d- scariest X-Man I know. And I'm basically half in love with you. Okay, fully in love with you. Mostly scared. Uh... And there are just some other things. Like, just like as he's trying to beat her up, just hitting on her. And it's weird because he's really old at this point. Yeah, and he's to... just not, he's not even doing the head covering I don't know why he's wearing sunglasses, but he just kind of looks like an old like an old guy wearing a hoodie. He's only wearing sunglasses in this issue. In some of the other issues, it's just like painted dark circles huh. around his eyes. It's not glasses. It's a weird visual inconsistency. Yeah. And I think in some issues, he didn't even have the dark circles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but nothing covering the face. So you're seeing all of the disfigured. His, his kind of cancery yeah. stuff. Um, Who was your Crusher Creole Award for Silly Villainy? Mine's going to go to Ray's, so the Blue Wolver kid, uh-huh. because he taunts his dad after stabbing him and is then, like, touching his body and going, oh, wait, I didn't disappear? Cool. So he definitely thought that could have been a possibility. <laughs> right, and he did it anyway. And he did it anyway. Which <laughs> that I'm was like, very silly. He, You must really hate your dad. Right? Like, I mean, I get, you know, X-Men daddy issues. Like, that's that's a thing. <laughs> 
That's in the the title sequence of the cartoon. It, it's like Cyclops, Jean Grey, Daddy Issues. <laughs> they go like, punk, Daddy Issues. Yeah. <laughs> it's been the Daddy I, Issues I, are like I, chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> I want to know who is it that sings the, what, the boy problems? Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, but like dad, 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 dad problems. problems. Yeah, see that. <sighs> they all have dad problems. <laughs> they do. Man, Cyclops has some real dad problems. It's like how in Disney all the moms are dead. You know all... why is it all the moms? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a uh, well, Aladdin's like entire parentage is dead, but Jasmine's mom dead. Yeah. Ariel's there, mom, dead. There's a very fabulous comedic piece I have some of my students uh, do called Disney Mom Support Group, where it's just all of the Disney moms showing up and talking about how, like, Walt did him dirty. <laughs> Walt does do him dirty. <laughs> Walt's like, um, you know, you can't go on fun adventures if you have parents. But we we got to have, like, one parent. I so mean, let's, for let's a lot take of the... out the responsible parents. <laughs> For a lot of the princesses, it's not even like they go on a fun adventure. That's true. Sleeping Beauty's got a mom, right? Yeah, but she winds up asleep. She goes on, like, the least fun adventure. Right. She goes on a slumber adventure. <laughs> Man, I never thought about that, but yeah, it is totally like there's... I mean, <laughs> the mom representation in Disney is the slimmest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Belle never even mentions mom. No. Cinderella, oh, dad died so sad. Mom ever get mentioned? Nope. Bambi gets shot. You know, poor, poor Dumbo's mom. Yeah. Cora clownfish eaten by Barracuda in the first scene. I couldn't remember her name, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> I just know Nemo's mom. Man. Bambi's mom. Bambi's mom. Yeah, mom's the dirty. <laughs> But X Men is just dads, not even just Cyclops' dads. mom is definitely <laughs> dead. It's awful. Oh, yeah, it stinks to be parents of superheroes. Don't just don't don't just don't have superhero babies. <laughs> You're doomed. Will and oh, Chrislets, please be average. No superpowers. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you, readers, for hanging in there with us. Um... <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for listening to this full and complete episode of Chris's Uninfinite. Uh, if you've made it all the way here, we have a special request of you. We have coming up our two-year anniversary of the podcast. We totally missed one year because I had just had a baby. Yes, and we're going to be doing a Q&A special. It's going to happen after our third Boda episode. The week after, we're going to try and, because we, we, we let you down and missed a week, so we're going to try and, like, make up for that and get back up on schedule. So, fingers crossed, that two-year anniversary episode should drop the 5th? July 5th. July 5th. Yep. So, special little little 4th of July surprise. For those of us in America, everybody else, it's a 5th of July surprise because it's not a holiday. Hey, it's still going to be uh, special to you because it's 
it's an episode you maybe didn't didn't see coming. Yeah, I'll make a thread the day this comes out so you'll have something to reply to. Or you can email us questions or... Mm-hmm. So if you want to get in on the action uh, and ask us anything for our two-year uh, yeah, anniversary it, it, episode... It does not have to be about Battle of the Atom. It can be about whatever you'd like. Yeah, yeah. As, you know, within, at that point, we will reason. have we will have wrapped up Battle of the Atom. It can be about comics. It can be about our favorite foods. Uh, probably not like about like our address or like yeah, the, within reason. Within reason, <laughs> we just won't answer some of them if you answer if you ask us weird stuff. But if you want to send in your questions, uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter at Chris's Pod or on Facebook, also at Chris's Pod. Or you can email us. On Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, if you would like to rate and review our podcast, please grab the podcatcher of your choice and jam that old five-star review. Mm-hmm. That is a great option to do uh, if financially you are not in a spot to support us monetarily. But if you are in a spot to report support us monetarily you have two options you can hit us up on patreon at www.patreon.com slash chris's pod you can support at a variety of levels where you can um get you will definitely get your name shouted out on the show regardless but if you support at a certain level you can throw in suggestions that the readers will vote on for our, our next crossovers and if you support at a high enough level you can definitely force us to cover whatever you'd like uh, in a certain period of time, mm-hmm. uh, we will be at your mercy. <laughs> yeah. So please check us out on Patreon. Uh, you can also support us on Kofi. www.ko-fi.com slash Chris is on Infinite Earths, where you can donate in one time increments of $3 donations uh, up to $666. That's the devil number. Yeah. Uh, so you could do that. that (laughs) Uh, so we, we appreciate, uh, any way that you can support us, reviewing us, becoming a patron, or just, just tweeting about the show. Yeah, we like all those things. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.